Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City based podcast where we practice intellectual self defense. It's, it's so dangerous because um, it's such an annihilation of, of free thinking. And yet the people who, who are promoting this, they have enjoyed the perception that they are the guardians of freedom. And to, to untwist oneself out of this is, you know, you need to be a contortionist. If you're a parent educate yourself, start paying attention and take an active role in the issue. You just heard the voice of Taylor Reese, the director and co-producer of an essential new documentary called Dead Name. We will get to my conversation with Taylor right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. We are witnessing the gaslighting of billions of people with an insidious global lie. As a result, I've written and podcasted about topics like men being housed in women's prisons and giving access to female bathrooms and locker rooms, male athletes destroying the dreams of female athletes when they're allowed to compete in female events, wives turned into widows when their husbands suddenly decide to pretend they are women. Children being maliciously manipulated and often mutilated. But I wonder, who speaks for the parents of these children? My guest, Taylor Reese, has made a documentary called Dead Name. To open this conversation, to humanize this subject from the perspective of parents who have been marginalized, silenced, and vilified for resisting affirmation or for asking questions. Dead Name lets viewers in on the inner thoughts, the struggles, and the declarations to fight for children who feel lost to them. Taylor Reese, welcome to Post Woke. Thank you so much. I'm so I'm so pleased that uh, we'll have time to talk about this topic today. I'm just pleased that you that the work you're doing and that you made time to be here and you're sharing it with me and the audience here. Now, you've told me that when Dead Name came out, it was platformed on video for about 34 days, after which it was removed and censored without warning. But then 
replatformed within hours. And you, to add what else you said here, you said news outlets have covered the censorship, which has raised the profile of the film. And indeed, when I search for your film, the first page of results is almost all related to the failed attempts to silence you. So, Taylor, please tell us more about the reactions across the ideological spectrum. And from there, let us know what led you to tackle this particular issue. Okay. So I think the interesting word and concept um, here is silence. Um, what What I set out to do when I started to embark on this film was to turn the volume up, was to give the chance to those who've been silenced, hiding, hiding literally behind uh, fake names, hiding in chat groups, um, hiding behind, um, you know, wigs and, and giant sunglasses when they would appear on screen. My feeling was right from the, um, the, the, the get-go was that until and unless we could put a human face on this issue and show the suffering from the vantage point of parents, it was going to become, it was going to be difficult to have a national discussion around this issue. Um, I have always believed from the start that we, and we still need a conversation on this issue because ultimately it boils down to our children and the decisions that are being made for our children um, very often with the exclusion or to the exclusion of their parents. Mm. <clears throat> I saw this around me. I felt, I felt very disturbed by what was going on in our culture. Um, I soon learned that this was actually really going on probably in all of the developed Western world. And I have to just say one, just one quick thing, which is that initially when we started down the path on this film, it seemed unlikely that we would be able to really get an intimate portrait to really um, unpack what this meant for some parents to really see them and hear them because there was so much fear across across the whole, all the spectrum of parents, everybody was afraid to speak. But over time, we did um, convince three parents to three very seemingly unique, um, and in, in many ways, they all, the three of them couldn't be more different, <clears throat> but they, they, they have a common um, strand that braids together their lives. And that is the, <clears throat> the shock, the suffering, the dislocation, the disassociation, and the helplessness that all have witnessed on their journeys with uh, their children um, going down the transgender track from a four-year-old in nursery school up through a college student um, in an engineering program. So we uh, worked very hard to, to, to get these three parents to take a very deep dive and to really um, show them for their humanity and to essentially show the world, this can be you. This is any parent. This Indeed. is any parent who is, is, is going to be delivered the news from a child that that child says that, that he or she is trans. In all three cases of, of, of the parents that we, fe- that we feature and profile, um, we, we can see that these are 
I think that nobody can argue that these are reasonable people. We set out to make a film that was specifically apolitical, not religious, not dogmatic. We simply tell their stories. Um, but um, all three of them, what, what we can see is that this whole, you know, declaration from an older child of 16 or 20 that they're trans suddenly um, becomes very shocking, very surprising, very disorienting, as I said. But it's not until these parents are looking at the prospect and possibility of a child medicalizing. Um, in other words, starting down the road with puberty blockers or hormones or um, any sort of surgeries um, that these parents really understand the severity of this situation. Mm-hmm. And, and go ahead. We're going to ask me something. I, I just want to say absolutely what I felt was that I was taken on a ride. And I don't want to pretend for a second I was taken on their ride. But you become – you did such a marvelous job and you clearly made these parents comfortable with putting that fear aside. And I do want to ask you more about that fear part. But you got them to just be human with you and anyone who watches this film will – their perception of this issue has to shift because you connect with these parents in such a human way. Right, because I think – Sound bites never win a fight. Oh, that sounds like a bumper sticker. <laughs> um, but but they don't. Sound bites, um, you know, um, become they're very um, they're very cold. They they land coldly. We we are so uh, barraged by information all the time that we can't. A, a sound bite doesn't seep into our our, our bones. But a, but when you unspool a story when you put a a, a parent up there and you see the pain in Amy's face when those tears roll down her eyes when she talks about her daughter essentially wanting to erase herself and all the good stuff from the past any parent knows that that once you become a parent from day one there's already you have a history of day of day one uh, of, of two years, of four years, of 18 years, there's an entire history that a parent has with a child. And the pernicious thing about this movement is that it's many things, but one of the things that it, it attempts to do is not just change the child's identity. It, it endeavors to erase the child's identity. And the, the strongest bond of that identity is with the parent's. Um, and so it, it was so important. We, we would not have made the film had we not been able to tell in-depth stories. I, that was the goal that I set out from the beginning. I knew that there may be a rash of other films that would try to um, speak to the alternative of what we have been um, you know, inundated with. We, we've been inundated over the decade, and it crept up and... and without us actually realizing, but we've been so inundated with stories from the media and the mainstream press um, about um, celebrating the transgender movement, children transitioning, um, you know, flag waving. We've been absolutely um, inundated by this. And um, there was another side to the story, but I didn't believe that it could be told 
um, in in ways that we have seen, you know, some others try to tell it, which is with a lot of sensationalist images, mm. um, you know, with a lot of screaming, with a lot of haranguing. You know, I, I don't think that's as effective storytelling. And I think in order to move people, or more importantly, in order for people to say, oh, my God, I could be Amy. I could be Helen. I could be Bill. Yes. I think in order to do that, you have to go on the ride. And the only way that you can go on the ride is if you're lucky enough to have subjects trust uh, you and to allow you and give you the privilege. I, I, I cannot understate how privileged we are to have told these stories. Um, each one is shocking in its own way. Um, and yet what has, what is happening in those to, to those three um, families is happening all over the country. And the world. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just want to quickly comment before we back up where I, I think you brought up so many excellent points there, but you touched on the idea of how initially when you, you, you're shocked to find out that children as young as four and in this case as old as college age, um, quote unquote, suddenly decide they're trans, you might be tempted to sort of try and go along to see how it's going to go because you don't know that this is part of an incremental journey with, that points you in a direction. It's not something to, it's not a celebration. It's not the waving of the flag. So I'm glad you pointed that out. But I, before we go further, I just want to back up a little bit and ask you, um, when you decided to tell this story, why did you choose a documentary? Had you made films before? And how did you find and connect with and gain the trust of the parents who do appear in the film? I, I I can't really explain that because I feel that I would be um, uh, breaking their trust if, if I said too much. But let's just say this. Um, I've worked in a lot of different fields um, in the communications area, um, and I decided that a documentary was the right way to go with this <clears throat> because we needed to see these people, and we needed to feel these people. And again, when you read a story, let's say even in the New York times and, um, and, and they will try to take you into the world of, of a, a parent or a family, it's just, it's not as effective um, as, as being able to see somebody's face and see their eyes and see the stress and strain um, in, in the way that their hands move or most of all in their silences. Mm. I mean, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, we see Bill's pain in, in ways where you'd have to be a not, you'd have to be inhuman. I, to, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, to walk away and not feel, you know, what, what he's been through. Um, I, I just felt that, and we made this film by the way, during the pandemic, so that created wow. a whole other layer of, yeah, but I won't get into the technical side of it. But yeah, I, I feel that in the end of the day, though, we were able to bring them alive and to bring the, and, and, and make their stories a living, breathing, palpable thing. And, um, who, who, and another decision that we made about the film is, is to not um, bog it down with distraction. So, we didn't load it up with um, much professional opinions or charts or 
academic discussions or we just let them tell their stories. And we, like I said, braided it together in a way where it, it's, it, this is maybe this is subtle, maybe it's, it, maybe it was obvious, but they all in a sense have a similar, there's, there's a similar arc in their journey. And what we do in, in, in the braiding is we sort of put them each at, at the similar point as we move the story along, the shock, the trying to um, deconstruct what's going on, the attempt to reach out to the community, the, the, the way that it starts to wreak havoc on their families. Each, the arc is actually the same for each of the three stories, but in the way that we braid it, I think we make it, um, I guess, interesting to, to be taken along, and yet we're in three stories, but we're really in one story all along. Mm. Yeah, I, I could say as I watched it, um, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend now that I completely got the, the 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 arc point that you just made. But now, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, absolutely, because I was caught up with each of their personalities, so that when you would shift from one to the other, let's say to Bill, and then you would see those eyes, the sad eyes. And then, boom, I'm back in that story. And so I deeply appreciate the artistic um, motif of having these – of exposing how uh, this – it's kind of the same story, but the, spe- but the specifics are what's going to you know, hit you in the heart. But I will say you absolutely succeeded in humanizing it and making you feel as you watch it that this could be anyone this could happen to anyone who's watching this because it's not it, there's nothing you can do to prepare for this you can't be with your children 24 hours a day and and prevent them from getting outside influences which is not a good idea of course in the first place but these particular influences throw a monkey wrench into your life that that you you can't imagine until you're in it but yet these these parents Take us on that ride and do such an incredible job with your with your um, you know your prompting to share this information. So I I it's it's amazing and and I love that you made this choice because I'm somebody that's really done a lot of reading on this issue and and you will see some people who challenge the trans agenda um, and it's hard to blame them. But if you do so on a platform like Twitter, you can wind up engaging in the same type of vitriol and sensationalism that you're taking on and i like that you pulled back kind of quieted things down and said hey let's connect with some human beings here and show you the side that doesn't get a hashtag on twitter so you know um so we think that um this has really been going on i would say very solidly for about 10 maybe a little more but solidly for about 10 years except that many of the parents, and that's evident in both Amy and Bill's story, um, are so um, broadsided, they're so blind, blindsided that they, they didn't know what was going on. Um, and by the time it catches up to them, um, they're behind the eight ball. So we have a whole set of, of parents parenting, if they're still lucky enough to be parenting, um, a generation of children who have been caught up in this. Then we have, (coughs) excuse me, then we have um, the next set of of parents that are coming up now who are young or or young married people who are, or whatever, unmarried people who are planning to have children who 
with the help of this film, we hope, may just have a heads up. It's we're not looking to to be to be you know dogmatic. It's not propaganda. But if if parents who are starting to have nursery school age kids now at least can become aware and and have a chance to weigh in or be prepared, be prepared. I mean, for, for the parents who've been through this and who feel like we've possibly who have lost their children or we've lost a generation, perhaps this film moves them to advocate and perhaps this film comforts. But to a, to the set of parents who are just starting out and, and have very young children, I say this is their heads up. This is what, mm. what, what gives them a little bit of a, a leg up to understand the dynamics of, of, of what this can do. You know, I, I've often felt that, that, um, that this, this discussion around this whole gender situation is like so many uh, discussions in our country. It's ideological and it's, it's fiery and it's, it's controversial and it's divisive. And, and it's, you know, unfortunately it's a tug of war between the red States and the blue States. And all of that is so unfortunate but when it's your child, when it becomes your child, you're no longer a Democrat or a Republican. You're mm-hmm. no longer in a red state or a blue state. You have, you are looking down a tunnel at a very different life than the one that, that you imagined for your child. And so that's why, I, I, that's how we hope this film can work a little bit of magic um, in terms of, I, I really believe that parents especially mothers, um, are the greatest advocates on earth. I mean, and why? Because they're protecting the greatest treasure on earth, their own children. Mm-hmm. This generation that's aging out, this generation that's caught up in this, um, they, that, that, that set of parents um, didn't ha- were not as equipped. Because, let's, because you, you know, you understand this, um, so much has been marinating in the school setting, in, in, the, in the counselor world, in the psychological world, that there's so much that's been going on that it's only when a parent is hit with this do they realize um, what a fortress there is around their child that, that uh, makes their child inaccessible to them. But a younger, you know, parents have, with younger children um, have an edge. At least they can be more educated around the subject and possibly make better different decisions, better decisions, have a, have a louder voice. Um, you know, have you ever been to a, a school board meeting? I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I've seen enough videos of it that I'm grateful that I haven't been to a school board meeting. It looks, it looks like it, it's a, uh, well, they're fierce. Yeah. It's like I roller mean, derby or something. I mean, right. Compared to, to, to town uh, hall meetings, town hall meetings. Okay. You get a lot of, uh, a lot of feistiness, but in a school, in a school board meeting, this is, this, this is your child. These are the children of, yep. of, of these parents. And so if this is really manifesting, um, so um, uh, palpably in the schools, I believe that parents who are going to be um, learning about this now before their kids set down the path of, of elementary school um, are going to have a voice in this issue. And, yeah. I, and I hope that what I hope is what that what my film can can provide is nuance. Absolutely. I, I, I love so many of the points you made. So I can't 
possibly respond to all of them. I'm just so glad you said them. But I like the I like the word the use of the word blindsided because so many of this, as you phrased it, this generation of parents, without putting an age on it, just how new they are to parenting, um, literally got blindsided because they didn't know about that fortress you described. But ensuing generations, particularly parents who who now are someone who grew up on social media and have a better understanding of what their children are looking at on their devices and a better understanding of what's going on in school, your film ties it together and gives them a toolbox that they can make informed decisions and not be as easily blindsided and could start conversations with their children that the previous generation maybe would never have even thought was Never would have come to their mind, oh, I need to ask them about things like pronouns, and, and particularly the four-year-olds. It, like, like in the movie, I know the, the woman says he, he's, he's four years old. He doesn't even know what a pronoun is, but they kind of have this, this distorted vision of what that word means. But before we move from there, I just want to touch on the title of your film because uh-huh. um, I'm going to ask you to explain that. But I just wanted to share that I, I looked up the, the – I know what dead naming – means, but I wanted to see where it fits into um, our, our collective psyche. And so I went to a very popular psychological site, a site people go to to learn about anxiety, depression, etc., called verywellmind.com. And they have a whole page on how dead naming is harmful. And it's written entirely from a one-sided view that, it, that when you dead name someone, you're telling them that you don't see them as their true self. Even when done accidentally, it brings all their negative life experiences with that name to the surface. This is an incredibly disrespectful act, whether done intentionally or not. So please feel free to, to add any context as to what dead name means to you and as to why you chose that as this really kick-ass title for this documentary well let's just let's just let's ponder on the irony of that description for a moment okay um the 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 disrespect of of um where is the the disrespect or the erasure of that Mm. person's life up to that point not to mention who that person was to everybody else who loved that person before this person starts a, a transition, I mean, it, it is one thing, perhaps, to to um, we we can debate whether you know. I, I do believe that there is an infinitesimal number of of individuals born who <clears throat> maybe at, at a very young age do suffer with gender dysphoria. Um, the science says that most of them outgrow that. Uh, there's a very very tiny percentage, I suppose, over decades, decades, um, who have transitioned. And in, in those cases, I, I think historically the phrase dead name was not part of the equation that yes, maybe somebody did transition, but to erase your entire life. I mean, I think that there are cases where in, within, you know, couples, uh, somebody will, I think more typically a man, will transition to a woman maybe in his 50s or 60s, and sometimes they even try to make the marriage work. So they're still trying to preserve their relationships and what they've built together, if they have children or home, whatever, home. This concept, deadening me, this idea that, um, I mean, this is like declaring everything that came before a death. Mm -hmm. 
it's it, it's so audacious, right? It, it's so um, it's actually so shocking to me. And the way the way that we decided to to name the, the film Dead Name is right from the get go. <clears throat> um, we have our, our our parents talking about that they named their child, and that name means something to them. It very much means something to them. And then at every stage, um, there there is something about their child that is meaningful. Um, and this movement is so insidious in that it, it is trying to not, let's say, even evolve a person. It's trying to erase and reinvent somebody. And I'm not even and forget debating the biology because we don't even need to do that. I'm talking about psychologically um, <clears throat> turning dead name into a like a badge of honor. You know, trying to there's a there's a there's a common trend that goes on where <clears throat> these teenagers who who start to transition, <clears throat> excuse me, and they take on a new name. And if a parent slips and calls them by their old name, I mean, the conflagrations around that, the storming out, the, you know, the, the, the um, mortal insult of calling that child the very name that you gave them. I've, I've heard so many stories like this. Yeah, same here. It, there's nothing else like this. That's a great point. Like, yes. like you go through transitions in life. You, you get married. You move to another city. You change careers. You endure losses of your loved ones like your parents. And you go through these massive transitions. But never really, when do, does anybody say, all right, let's erase everything that happened prior to this transition. And then to expect a parent who named their child right, to go and, and has been using that name from, from the moment of birth to suddenly never, ever get confused by this, never mind pronouns. It, to, this dead name, is it's become a, a, a weapon in the hands of ideologues. And, and that's, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I really, really appreciate you choosing that as the title because it's provocative and there are perhaps people even listening here who weren't sure of what it, means but basically it's like if your name is john and you become trans and you change to joan you don't ever call that person john or else you are quote unquote dead naming them so that's the that's the very very simplified version of this but to see it through the eyes of parents particularly of of uh, toddler practical toddlers it's 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 cruelty and and it's unheard of in human culture this erasure of the past it is. It is. I like you. I, I can't think of an equivalent. I mean, you know, it's natural to evolve. It's natural to have children individuate. We uh, parents always accept uh, in every generation new thinking, new ideas, a, a new way of, of looking at the world or even behaving in the world. Um, but this this is you can't even it's difficult to to even get your mind around this i mean it's it, is it not is it not thought control it, no, you're 100 percent right it's 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 thought police it it's it, it's like being in a cult and having to speak in certain mantras and certain languages and call each other certain names and risk ostr- being ostracized if you don't have the script down perfectly that's right and it, it's it's so dangerous because 
um, it's such an annihilation of, of free thinking. And yet the people who, who are promoting this, they have enjoyed the perception that they are the guardians of freedom. And to, to untwist oneself out of this is, you know, you need to be a contortionist. Amen to that. Yeah. Very well said. So speaking of contortionism, I would imagine that with the release of a movie that would be considered quite controversial in the, in our current woke uh, society, you've gotten some pretty mixed reactions, including the aforementioned censorship at times. So could you share with us um, how you've navigated this in terms of, of getting the, getting the movie seen, avoiding this, this crushing of free speech that's going on, um, the, types of, the types of responses you've got all across the spectrum. Anything you want to share about um, maybe what surprised you or, or any, any, basically any response to the reaction to Dead Name? So the, the, the film was up for 34 days on Vimeo. And the sales and rentals were coming fast and furiously, and as was the press, but largely from the conservative media. Um, that was fine by me. I was I was happy to see it, um, you know, start sticking and taking. And I, I knew that people would start talking about it. And um, yeah, it was it was it was nerve wracking to release it because I I understand how that this can be perceived as controversial when in fact it truly isn't. Um, but with no warning, Vimeo took the film down on a Monday. Um, I admit that I definitely went into a panic. I, 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 somewhere in the back of my brain, I guess I probably knew it was possible, but I still couldn't believe it. It, it was still very shocking. Within four hours, we replatformed it to deadnamedocumentary.com. And the combination of, I guess, all of the um, uh, buzz around the censorship coupled with um, people's natural curiosity that doubles when something has been censored. Plus what I imagine is, is the, you know, it's just the natural um, word of mouth that's getting around. Um, I can tell you that a lot of people are, our sales have actually been so robust consistently since the day day that Vimeo took us down. Um, In terms of feedback, um, I have only had the most heartfelt um, emails sent my way so far um, <laughs> that have that have really at times made me weep because um, sometimes you you know you work and and you don't know what how your work is going to land and um, you get you get one email and you know I, I have a, a, a colleague who uh, my co-producer on this and um, I had sent one particular email and he said. He said, this one email makes the whole thing worth it. Oh. And I, I know exactly what he means. It's like you, you feel such a, a sense of um, purpose, right? When, when you know that, that there's another parent in pain and you have, you have given some comfort. So, but we have had a tremendous feedback. Um, the, the press also has been, yes, it's been largely, I, I guess, conservative media, but nevertheless, we know that people have watched the film. Um, you know, I, I can say that there's been one thing that's been outside of, of the echo chamber, and that's there's um, a, a gentleman in Australia, and he runs this website called Matt's Movie Reviews, and he's been at it for a long time, and he did a podcast with, with us. 
for his 500th podcast. So I guess it's not just a little hobby of his. I guess he's serious about this. And I don't know how he even learned about the film, but he did. And he watched it and he just, he was just so, and he's, and he's not caught up in the issue. You know, we, we talked about it, but he, um, he was just so taken by this. So I, I did like a 40 minute podcast with him, but it was really interesting to speak to somebody who was kind of like outside of the, uh, the, the wow. echo, you know, the echo, echo, echo system. So um, the ecosystem, the, right. Um, so, so I, the, the, I've only had a good response. Now, how did the film get taken down? Absolutely. The trans activists, they have a well-worn playbook. They know how to use it. Um, you know, so Vimeo caved. Um, and um, this is happening. You can see this in, in the New York Times. They get bolder. They A little bit of, of more truth comes out. And then they kind of pull back. I mean, we're seeing this in mainstream media. Um, I, I, I think the horse is out of the barn. I think that it's going to be unavo- unavoidable to be able to talk about this issue um, from just one side going forward. I concur. Yeah, I, I, I started following this issue um, pretty closely maybe about eight years ago. But I'm here in New York City and I've done a lot of activism that would – at the time would have been considered left-wing activism. Um, I think the left and white right has gotten kind of confused in the past three years, but I was introduced to it because in activist circles, you would meet people who call themselves trans. But as I became more aware of radical feminism and began to study more of that history, I learned, I learned um, terms like peak trans. And I feel like meaning that people have hit a point where they stop trying to be quote unquote nice and just let everybody live and let live because they realize the agenda is, is really, really hurting people. And in this particular instance, children and their parents. And so I, from, this is an unscientific statement, but from my personal experience, I just encounter more and more and more people hitting peak trans. So they would be very receptive to your movie, but I am fascinated by the Matt's movie, movie reviews guy, because that is such a, a, an interesting experiment to have someone who's a movie guy who doesn't have a horse in the race in this issue, but exactly. have him so moved by it because to go back to one of the earliest things you said when we were chatting, that you, if you can watch this movie from a, just a human standpoint, it is impossible to not break down and cry and when it ends to say, what can I do to stop this? Like It's so motivating and so human and it must have been so gratifying for someone who's a movie guy to say to, – to express that to you because he's not, he, he's not engaged in the group thing. So I will ask you if you could at some point today to email me if you have a link for that um, podcast. I will include it in the show notes in case mm-hmm. listeners want to check that out. But yeah, yeah. As, as we move towards wrapping up, I just – I going to just say the obvious like um, – What's next for you? How can we as listeners and supporters and, and free thinkers um, help? And where can we rent and watch the film? I know you said it once, but just give us the basics yeah. of how everyone listening now can learn more about you, the film, and support your work. Well, here's, here's what I'd say. DeadNameDocumentaries.com. Uh, DeadNameDocumentary.com. Um, <clears throat> there's a rental fee or a purchase fee. Um, it's essentially the the cost of a couple of lattes uh it's not a lot to ask to be paid for our work 
Um, we want to keep doing important work. This is what I would I would say to people. One, if you're a parent, educate yourself. Start paying attention and take an active role in the issue. Two, if you're somebody who is civic-minded, this is going to escalate and become a big issue as we uh, crawl toward the next um, presidential election for 2024. Um, it, it's going to, and election season, it seems, has already begun. Mm-hmm. One of the dangers here is this divisiveness that's going to continue to go on between red and blue states. It is, it is so important to try to educate our elected officials on this issue. And that's some of the work that requires armies and, you know, armies of parents. And that education starts at school board meetings and at summer camps and in with therapists and um, in, in, in um, high schools. Um, It's going to take the parents, I believe, to take the lead on this issue. So if they see dead name documentary, if they begin to educate themselves, they will realize that this matters to them. You know, when you said the word peak trans before, I was thinking of peak oil, which mm-hmm. I think is, is the echo is, is, you know, the, 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 the homage probably to that phrase. And, um, or I think, or I think about climate change and I think about, you know, we, we, there are things that we're also worried about and burdened, but we, we often just don't know what to do about it. But being a parent is, is natural and instinctive. And if there's something out there that's posing a danger, most of us uh, as parents pretty much know how to spring to action when we feel that a gen- our children or a generation of children is facing danger. So I would just say educate and get involved. It's the same I would say in any issue that, that calls for activism. But this one's really important, really tricky, really complicated, um, but so important. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for that, because you will suffer the slings and arrows within this particular issue. But you are doing you are literally protecting future generations, you know, vulnerable children that are so easily manipulated by an agenda that that completely need their parents to support them, but then someone like you to tell, to elevate the voices of the parents and then all the rest of us to form that army that you talked about of saying, we're not going to be silent about this. This, this, this is a clear black and white issue. We have to protect the children and think, dead, dead name is a giant step in that direction. Think about mad mothers against drug, drunk drivers. Think about the opioid uh, epidemic. Who leads the way on these issues? mothers absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah and and the the way you give space to them in this movie and i can i'm so glad that you're getting those positive emails and i can just imagine if you think about the average person um I think about someone who reviews uh, a restaurant after they've been there. They tend to review the, when they have a bad experience. But for every positive email you get, there are thousands who just aren't the type to write an email. But they're, they're, you're touching lives and you're, you're 
what you're doing is you're arming them with so much more information that they didn't have prior to watching this film. And I just want to say to everyone listening, it's going to be in the show notes, the link where you can go to rent or purchase this film. Um, you could do that. You could, you could purchase it and share it. You could spread the word because this is, this is how movements start. And it's time for us to line up behind these frontline parents and say, it stops here. Like this, the children must be protected. So thank you for playing a big role in this. Thank you for giving me the space to talk about it on your program. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke, because Post Woke is more than this podcast, which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Post Woke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you're getting quality content at least once a day, all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, Check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool, kick-ass shirt, and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and Substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word, and let's get back to the show. At least... Tens of thousands of children as young as six years old have initiated either puberty blockers or hormones or both over the past five years alone. They are being manipulated and mutilated by complicit members of the medical industrial complex to, f- to fulfill a transhumanist agenda. This won't go away until we get informed and fight back together. So spread the word. Get loud and keep your guard up.